Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. richardherring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are about to listen to Rich Tang's Letter Square Theatre podcast with my guest this week, Alexi Sale. How exciting is that? Quite exciting, I think you will agree. It is free, but there are lots of ways for you to contribute if you want to, uh, to help us keep this going and to come up with even more comedy ideas. We don't want the money for ourselves, we want it to make new stuff. So why don't you go to www.gofasterstripe.com, R-H-L-S-T-P-5, where you can buy uh, downloads, video downloads or audio downloads of this entire series for various amounts of money. You can also choose to make a one-off donation in return for a badge from a pound upwards, or a monthly donation would be fantastic if you're prepared to give us just a pound a month. If everyone who listened to this did this, we could create a media empire that would take down Rupert Murdoch and make kebabs out of his liver. 
Uh, that is a promise. If 150,000 people do that, we will make that happen. Uh, but even if a few of you could do that, that would mean we can make things like a video version of As It Occurs To Me. You'd like to see that, wouldn't you? We can't do that without your input. You are the commissioning editors. Your money, your pound a month could make all the difference. Or come and see me on tour. Check out richardherring.com and you can see my upcoming tour dates. You can buy um, mugs and uh, T-shirts and... Uh, hoodies at richardherring.cottoncart.com as well. Okay, here's the show. You've had enough of an advert. I will never mention this again, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man with an infected finger. It's Richard Herring. That's, that's my infected finger. I'm not not being rude. Uh, so hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepur. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's lots of you, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 so I've been quite uh, healthy this year and keep, been keeping quite fit, but the, like this weekend I've been stricken down with various ailments. Welcome to me, I'm just, I'm getting old now, so I'm just talking about the things that are going wrong. There's some people arriving late, let's just show them for the people. So the people at home can, so there they are, they were late. They couldn't be bothered to turn up on time, like everyone, like everyone nearly everyone else turned up on time. Uh, so uh, yeah, and I got, I, I got like an infected finger. I'll just show the people at home that. That's it. Yeah, good. Uh, but then, it's been really, really hurting for a few days, but on the tube on the way here, I, I realised I could squeeze it and get all the poison out. So I'm going to... I'll see if I can get any more out. It's going to be... Could you hold that? Yeah, it's weeping slightly. Do you get that, David? Yeah. Good. There we go. Uh, so that, I'd forgotten all the fun of that. that is, do you remember that when you were kids? I, I, things don't really get infected so much these days, certainly since I got married. So, um... <laughs> that squeezed the odd bit of pus out of there. Uh, but talking... To- Talking, it's always good fun. Uh, I once had a biopsy on the end of my penis. I had a stitch put on the end of my penis once. It was fantastic. Uh, that's for that's for another day. Uh, the uh, the Britcom confessions has been uh, has started giving some back. I was my guest last time was uh, Robert Llewellyn, and there wasn't very much on there for him. But one has arrived for him, and I don't think because obviously he hasn't been on the show yet, so it, I don't think this is one that's been set up by someone. So I just thought I'd read this one. This is a, this is a if you don't know, this is a site on the internet where people confess. Their, their, what they want to do to various comedy figures, including, well, nearly everyone you can imagine, and, and, but also people like Stufa, uh, and when I say people like Stufa. Uh, so uh, this is one of Robert Llewellyn's. I would like to get so turned, I would get so turned on by Robert Llewellyn fucking me hard, making me wear the Crichton mask, <laughs> and then shouting at, uh, shouting at me about my faulty socket, which is... <laughs> I don't know if this is a man or a woman, but they're basically saying their vagina or anus or both don't work properly. And that's why he'd be fucking me. Why? What's wrong with your socket? Why is it not working properly? So that's quite... And the fact they want them, they'll be wearing the Crichton mask. That's properly perverted. Uh, but there are a few new ones for me. And I don't think we can trust these because I think these are people, fans who are aware that I will probably read them out. That's what that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're going for There's two or three have arrived in the last kind of couple of weeks uh, this one is quite interesting I wish Richard Herring would fuck me right in the middle of a golf course um, and I, I don't 
precise they are about that, whether we would have to, part of the experience would be working out where the middle of the golf course was. No, we can't do it here. This is not the actual, let's get the surveying equipment out again. Uh, I'm up for that. Do you mind if I do that, Katie? My wife's in. Can I? Fuck, yeah, I've got a thumbs up from my wife. As long as it's right in the middle of the golf course. If you come and catch me, like on, on the green of, of number two, I don't really know about what golf is. Uh, that isn't the middle, is it? Rich, by definition, number two, there are 18 holes. 19 if you include the bar. Hey, the butlers are in. Uh, so, um, they love a drink. Uh, I dream about Richard Herring using his tiny hands to take off all my clothes. <laughs> then touch me with them. I do have quite small hands. I do discuss that, so that is a fan of mine. I suppose, I suppose anyone who wants me to fuck them would be a fan of mine, would hope. I, I suppose if you're, if you're a real pervert, you'd want to have sex with a comedian you didn't like, which is why I want to have sex with Paddy McGuinness. Um, so, <laughs> let, them, let my anus see your cock. That's what he would say. <laughs> I... Uh, basically what he says every week that is, that is it, that's that show in a nutshell uh, I uh, I would uh, and then another one, I'd like to melt a big bar of Cadbury dairy milk all over Richard Herring, then leave him to clean it up himself <laughs> Jeez, quite, I would quite like that though I am, I am on a diet so I couldn't, I don't know, I'd just have to it would be awful because I'd just have to wipe it off with a sponge and I wouldn't be able to I'd, oh, I'd like to lick that sponge with the mixture of Cadbury's dairy milk and my own bodily hair and pu- there'd be pus in there there'd be a little bit of pus <laughs> uh, so look, let's crack on we've got a fantastic first guest so let's not waste any more time he does not feature in uh, Brit Comedy Confessions I, I, which is a shame I know he should do but I think it's uh, I think the, the, it seems that the, uh, it's more d- uh, younger comedians tend to under under 50 uh, comedians tend to f- face in there anyway the, my guest you will probably know him as Backback from the TV series Arabian Nights that is what he's best that's what most of you have come to see him for tonight will you please welcome the incredible Alexi Sayer ladies and gentlemen <laughs> sit down pick up a mic and, and use it in your face there we go, that's lovely. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Good, lovely to see you. You've been a little bit of a cold as well. We've yeah, both been a bit under the yeah. weather. But it's all right, we can take, we can chill out and relax. We don't have to go. We don't have to be entertained. We don't have to be entertained. <laughs> it's fine. So we'll get this out of the way, because this is what you must be asked in all your interviews. How was it being back, back well, in the um, Arabian Nights? It was the, a TV series. It was just an acting job I did. It was um, back, back, it was the, in the Arabian Nights, was the, the Emir's favourite um, storytelling. He was a dwarf, oh, right? Uh, and so most, and uh, I can't watch this right now. He um, he has dinner with a merchant, and he chokes to death. Right. And then for the rest of, I can't remember how the the rest of the um, the story is them cat trying to get rid of his body. Right. So basically, all of me was played by a rubber. They made a rubber version of me, like a a small midget version of me. <laughs> in rubber which yeah. I call little Alexi so all I did was go to this dinner party eat like a peanut and collapse and then the rest of the film was was uh, the rest of the episode was, wasn't was me it was this rubber uh, yeah. midget, uh, dwarf being carried around but I showed a photograph uh, of um, me and little Alexi to my mother and she got us mixed up <laughs> she said that's you and I said fuck off that's the fuck 
fucking that's a rubber dwarf that looks like me she said no 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 that's you she would know if anyone would know her well, own you'd son think, you'd think that but she didn't she, <laughs> she mistook me for a rubber dwarf so that's quite a good job basically you didn't accept presumably you have to be did you have to get your body covered in yeah they had to you know be covered yeah, like, in rubber and all that but yeah. um yeah, it was you know it was so yeah it was it was so yeah I mean it was you know to have yourself played by a you know <laughs> something made out of rubber was yeah. uh, you know well we had Robert yeah. Llewellyn last week that's pretty much his career so um <laughs> so I was I, I was I was reading up about you because we have talked before so I wanted to try yes. and talk about different things than before um I, I firstly you were expelled from school which I don't think we talked about before I don't, and I wondered. What reason you were expelled from sixth form, is that right? Uh, yeah, halfway through the sixth form. Um, well, just for being a terrible troublemaker, really. I mean, they were quite... I think... Um, there's nothing really funny in this story. <laughs> it doesn't have to be funny. It's just that it's Did just you do a, something really horrific? I no, killed, no, no, I killed a, a teacher and I he said, you can't say anymore. I hit a teacher. Did that you? was one of the things. Yeah, I <laughs> hit a teacher. And he was, funnily enough, he was in the Communist Party. He was, uh, like my parents called Mr. Ab- Mr. Abrams. Right. And he hated me. He hated me all through the school, really, when he should have been looking out for me because, you know, being the child of communists, but he always hated me. Yeah, the communists, though, they kind of hate It's like... Trotsky and Stalin, yeah, they were both, that, they didn't yeah. like but, each other, did they? Yeah, At least you didn't true. get an ice pick. True. Um, and anyway, he pushed me in the tuck shop queue. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> you see my protestations about going to a rough work in my school. Uh, <laughs> somewhat wider the mark. He pushed me in the tuck shop queue and so I hit him and then, so I had to go. And then, but there was other stuff. I think my favourite the art teacher was leaving and was going to Quarry Bank you know where John Lennon that went and uh, I uh, so I wanted to go with him which I don't think he was that keen on really <laughs> be a bit weird kind of like you know one of your pupils turn up so they said no I couldn't go to Quarry Bank but also I couldn't come back to my school either <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, like, you know, like that uh, Tom Hanks film where he's stuck in the terminus yeah. really, stuck in a kind of educational limbo stuck between all the Liverpool schools just not yeah, being able yeah, to go yeah. out of that triangle standing outside all of them yeah <laughs> but you went to Chelsea College of Art and Design I did yeah. and, but you didn't stay in the halls though that was the mistake oh, you made oh yeah well that's um, yeah no I um, I which was a mis- it was a terrible mistake <laughs> I, I had this friend called Wasim Abdullah who was a Palestinian electronics engineer and he um, he had a flat in London in Queensgate in South, in South Kensington which was just nice. a base I thought well, it seemed nice it wasn't it was just a basement with an outside toilet and uh, <laughs> His, he like he was on in the he had the bed with like one or sometimes two girlfriends and every bit of the floor around was like different Arabs <laughs> apart from me there was like down one side and um, the thing that Wasim did as well that he built his own um, uh, a digital alarm clock which was really advanced for like 1971 which was no good as a clock but it was brilliant at killing mice because <laughs> there was like these vibrations it gave off and the mice would kind of come out and, and then they'd touch it and it because it, it was very badly made as well it would electrocute them so there'd be this pile of corpses in the morning 
and no one cleaned them up because you're all students. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah so you were not scared horrible. about sleeping in a room with a sort of radioactive exploding alarm clock? Um, no, just no, kept no, away. It wasn't radioactive. It was just yeah. To what? Well, yeah. If you touched it, you get a terrible shock. And did he? He, he woke himself up by wired up a. He had a. He had a, a car headlight on a tube, <laughs> a cardboard tube that was like hung over his face. <laughs> And then there was um, uh, a record player with the Maoist peeking off with the East is Red on it. And the alarm clock would set... This is a typical electronics engineer, really. This, it would set off any time between, like, 6 a.m. and 9.15, it would go off. And the light would shine in his face, and then this peeking opera would start with, like, and he'd wake up and then... <laughs> Did it? It presumably woke you up as well, though. This, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They're rigging something like that. Though, didn't someone do something like that? And they, uh, can't, can't, someone had something like a boulder that fell onto something, but then it fell on him. I can't remember it. Never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll edit me saying it properly in at the end, and it'll look amazing. Everyone, and then I'll edit a laugh in, and it all. Oh, it's going, ah, they'll cut to you really laughing at something else. Ah, that was brilliant. It wasn't terrible like you thought. And the thing, um, uh, the, the, well, the thing I'm interested in because obviously you know all about this, the comedy store and you've been the first MC of the comedy store. But you generally just answered an advert in the was it in the private eye or, or yeah, my wife private? Linda saw an advert. Yeah, eye, yeah. And just went along and you became so you you became the MC in the comedy store just by turning up and. Saying you could do it, you're not. You, uh, well, no, I auditioned, and I was well. I was the first person who wasn't sort of mentally ill, really, that they'd seen. So, <laughs> but I mean, they were. I mean, they were. I mean, the the, the you know the com- the comedy boom would have happened, you know, somewhere in Britain anyway, but not in that place because, you know, I mean, they were very fortunate, I think, to have me because I had a, I did have a, a pretty rare skill set then, one that I was doing alternative comedy before it existed right. you know I'd been doing it more or less by myself you know well I had like a partner but you know we've been just touring in this complete vacuum doing this material which we assumed uh, you know it was like about drugs and politics and stuff yeah. which we assumed there was an audience for but we didn't really know that there was but also I had you know I also had this um, tremendous authority you know that I was that I uh, could, you know, because it was such a wild kind of place in the early days, the comedy store. And I was, you know, probably, you know, one of the few people that could have really imposed, yeah. uh, you know, kept that audience in line, really. Set on the opening night and for the first few months, I did just had this kind of, you know, very, I mean, aggressive comic persona anyway, but just I was very, you know, I was very good at, uh, yeah. at, at kind of maintaining a kind of chaos that never quite you know you know just always, always teetered on the edge of of chaos you know yeah. with, but never tipped over and, but I was also and I was also I think which was a very I was I was very and all this just came intuitively I was very honest that I would give an act a, a good build up but then when they, if they failed which they generally did I was absolutely horrible about them <laughs> I mean really vile and that was 
I mean, in, in retrospect, that was horribly... I mean, it's cruel, you know. It's, but on the other hand, I think it, in that place at that time, it worked really well, you know, yeah. just to, to just be shitty about people. And better the than the other way around, which sometimes... Some MCs do, do well, you get, start yeah. off by making... Yeah, I don't know who this guy is, he might be shit. You know, and right. if, you, if you start like that, then that's a lot un- more unfair. I think someone's died, you sort of have oh, to... Oh, yeah, you've got to give them a build-up, yeah. yeah but then but afterwards, <laughs> you, have you know, to. just really lay into them. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, they were very fortunate, I think, that, that I... You know, but that... I mean, I suppose that's one of the magical things about, you know, artistic movements, that, you know, the right people do, do just appear, really. You know? Yeah. Well, if you hadn't, then it wouldn't be... It, we wouldn't be talking about it. No, Certainly no. Certainly you and I would be, be yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but, uh, like, the world is ready. People are going, oh, I'd, I'd like... I'd like to see some paintings with... You know, that, like, people are sideways and they got three eyes... <laughs> And then this guy comes and goes, Hi, I'm Pablo Picasso. I like to paint women sideways with three eyes. <laughs> this is fortuitous. It's what, they, what they call a gestalt. Yeah. Well, there was, a, I mean, it obviously was this time where, where there was a, a time for a change within the entertainment yeah. industry, yeah, which maybe yeah. we're at again, but uh, in some ways. But, uh, but it was, it was. I think, like a lot of the young people won't remember the comedy of the 1970s, and even the stuff on TV was. Was so offensive and yeah, racist absolutely. and sexist and homophobic, yeah. and so I think there would have to be a kind of reaction to it. Well, it's good there was. Yeah, yeah, and people. There was a different audience out there that wasn't being served. You know, you're getting this kind of your first generation of people who've been to university and were, you know, were left wing, but also very consumerist. You know, and they were they were very keen to 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 have their lifestyle kind of celebrated and mocked. I suppose really so. You know, it was uh, they weren't be you know they weren't going to be served by less you know well nobody nobody will know these names really will they but you know Colin Crompton of the <laughs> Wheel Tappers and Shunters uh, Social Club wouldn't be doing stuff about you know mocking people's habitat furniture you know they would, <laughs> you know or, or, or the you know the fissiparious nature of left wing uh, political groups you know Les Dawson was never going to be doing shit like that you, know? <laughs> you never know he might he might have come around he might have come around yeah. but it was I mean I, I can imagine you were a very intimidating figure because I've you know seen pictures of you as a, a younger man I mean you're quite a yeah well I, I just yeah I mean it was I mean I'm not in real life you know but that, that you know there was something I never really analysed it but there was just the comic persona that had emerged, you know, in the couple of years I'd been doing sort of stand-up was very aggressive. And that was what I was interested in as a performer was aggression, you know, winding the audience up. Yeah. Um, and that was just a perfect... You know, I mean, stuff that I'm completely uninterested in now, but that was... Uh, you know, that just worked fantastically well. And, you know, in a club that started at midnight, you know, it was cheap to get in and... Yeah, and yeah, did it go so on all night? Because I saw you was talking about you would say I would put people on at four four a.m. if you didn't like. They got me the hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they finished about four a.m. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> did people stay? Was that just was it just a weekend thing? Or was, or was was only, I think it was only. A, I think it was basically only a Saturday yeah. night in the end. Um, I, I probably finished about twelve to one. It must have finished. Yeah, it must have finished about four. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. And it was quite dangerous. You talk about you were talking about um, Keith Allen, who you know I am a big fan of. Uh, throwing throwing darts into the audience. Yeah, was that a regular occurrence or was that a one-off? No, well, it was. No, he says it, I thought it was at Goldsmiths College. He says it was at the Royal College of Art, right? But he did. Um, he did. Uh, 
my favourite one. Of, I mean, he was. I mean, he was. I mean, he was, he was, he was, I mean, the thing about Keith was he was again. He was very. Um, he wasn't f- the problem with him. He was very. You know, he was again very aggressive, very inventive. Never did the same thing twice. But it was ne- often. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> that was the only. I mean, that's not criticism. <laughs> when you were walking out with a dart in your head, going, "Well, I, yeah, I enjoyed most was... of his act, but I thought the darts, the dart throwing, was too fun." But it was an extraordinary. You know, you'd never seen nothing like that before. And again, he he had that sense of genuine sense of threat. You know, genuine. Um, you know sense of somebody who was kind of deranged, you know, yeah. who could go one way. Well, you know, and he, I mean, he was, he's physically very, de- I mean, the, the, I mean, again, it's like Arabian Nights. We did a show together at the um, Albany Empire in Deptford, and I, it was like Sherazard, because I had to think of a different story every night to stop him getting his cock out <laughs> on stage. Like, I say, oh, there's a party of nuns in tonight. You know, fair enough, you know. There's little kids, oh, I'll be mums in tonight. And then finally, one night, I just ran out of <laughs> stories, and I said, oh, fuck it, on you go. And he's one of those, he's, he just, I mean, he's one of those people, there was a lot of them, I don't know if they're still who, <coughs> a lot of performers who like nothing more than getting, taking all their clothes off. Yeah. I mean, Keith was one, Terry Jones, uh, Tony Robinson's lover, Simon yeah. Callow, I think. It's a kind of a, <laughs> a subset of, of performers who love uh, getting naked and uh, you know finally I ran out of, of, of reasons to stop him and there he was <laughs> start bollock naked performing you know, he does he, do it a lot I mean you say he never does the same thing twice but he does get take his cock, his cock out, out yeah, an awful lot with the that's pretty much every story yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he wants to see my cock uh, it's, it's where that whole story came from originally um, so uh, and, what, and one of the first things I heard you in I guess was this you're in the secret policeman's other ball which is an amnesty international benefit that yeah. I listened to on a, a little cassette tape that I, you know you could buy cassettes in those days and yeah. listen to them like that yeah. and that was you so you were in amongst because it was quite that was again quite a lot of the Oxbridge comedians yeah. and the, yeah. the various uh, Peter Cook and the yeah. John Fortune and those kind of people and yeah. John Cleese yeah it was uh, well it was sort of I, uh, it was an odd I mean it was an odd experience I mean, I, I mean because I was I was like massive in London. I mean, the comedy store, and then I think it was at the comic strip at that point, was massive in London, but n- not really. N- well, we didn't, you didn't know whether you were known outside London, really. But, and so, well, it was my ex manager, my manager, who was producing it. But I think also they wanted to have who was obviously at, at the cutting edge of um, comedy, and so they asked me to be in the 1981. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't. Um, I mean, Cleese, Cleese didn't like me much. <laughs> his wife, you know, he's, he's, he's married like 17 different um, <laughs> American blonde psychoanalysts. And um, <laughs> this was like number eight. She hated me. <laughs> but I can't. I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I was, I, it's funny because I'm working on volume two of my memoir at the moment now, but I had, I remember having a big row with, um, Jasper Carrot about because we both had a gag we both had a gag that finished with the punchline Guildford <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said well I want to say Guildford and I said well I want to say Guildford so finally I said uh, who's on first he said you I said well fuck you then <laughs> I said Guildford <laughs> it fucking killed <laughs> 
he changed his to Hatfield and it right. fucking died on its yeah, own. That's no, that's no good. Because we both knew that Guildford was the only the only possible, you know. He couldn't do anything, you know, it's just one of them things where you know, you know, it's one of them things where you know the, yeah. the only thing you can say is, Guildford! Yeah. Hatfield, it's, the, it's completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, he, he went, Hatfield! <laughs> <laughs> he was alright about it, he was, was a nice bloke. You know. But I bet in his heart as well, if you know in your heart it's not as funny, it doesn't work as well, that's the problem. sell it, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know it's going to come yeah. up to that, that's, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, and also, like one of my other guests and myself, although mine is slightly less high profile than yours, you've played Trinculo in The Tempest. I may, I may have talked. As has Russell Brand, who you were in a Jonathan Miller. Yeah. Was it a stage production or a film? The it was the old Vic. Yeah. It was Max von Sydow was Prospero. Right. And wow. uh, Rudy Davis, who was um, one of Bell Bramage's daughters, was. Uh, Miranda and the, all the islanders were uh, black, so Cyril Unruh was Ariel and um, uh, Rudy Davis was uh, uh, was uh, Caliban. I did it at the Kings of Wessex uh, school hall. Uh, <laughs> Steve Cheek was Caliban. John John Butler was uh, Stefano. Yeah, no, no one. <laughs> Steve Cheek works as uh, he was actually was he was in uh, God and Jesus with. Do you remember when Simon Munnery? I mean, you might, might might not have been around and then. In, in Edinburgh, but Simon Munnery and him used to do a double act called God and Jesus, <laughs> uh, which I think they were meant to be God and Jesus. Uh, can you still remember any of the Trinculo speeches? Uh, no. I did have a while, I did think for a while that I would only go to productions of The Tempest uh, and then leave after Trinculo had been on. <laughs> uh, no, I can't remember a thing now. I, had put, I put in an extra line which was bastards. Right. <laughs> about, so I'd say, you know, bastards. And Jonathan Miller was very keen on me, you know, doing that. So Yeah. yeah. And what was, it, what was he like to work with? I saw him in the street a couple of, it's kind of astonishing to see him still yeah. going in. He was very much at the height of his fame, yeah. so. And it was the sort of thing people did. So some Sometimes you'd say, you know, coming for rehearsals in the afternoon, you'd say, where's Jonathan? They'd say, he's gone to Boston <laughs> to, like, direct an opera, and he'll be back tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so, he was all right. He didn't, you know, he th- again, he didn't, we didn't, we didn't really hit it off, you know. <laughs> Max von Sydow sent me Christmas cards for years <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Just like, he's getting, you know, getting, he's not, he wasn't death, was he? It was, uh, he played uh, chess with death in the That's uh, right. Ingmar <laughs> yeah, Bergman yeah. film, but, yeah. So Max von Sydow sent me a Christmas card for years after that production. <laughs> um, and you, oh, I, oh, this is interesting. Now you've, I've won a Sony Award, and you won a Sony Award in 1979. But in 1979, they were called the Pi Awards. The Pi Radio Awards. Was it yeah. the Pedophile Information Exchange Award? It was back in the <laughs> back in the 70s. Yeah. It was all right. No one. They could sponsor radio awards. We're going to let the pedophiles have a. <laughs> I'm having an award, it's all right. <laughs> what, did you? What's, it won't be when this goes out. Uh, did you? Did you? What did you? Did they do gold, silver, and bronze then, or was it just you won? You I won think it? I just won it, yeah. 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 For uh, Alexis Sale and the Fish, fish people. people. Yeah, it was a thing I did for Capital Radio. Um, I, I, again, can't remember much about it really, but um, I won two. Um, I won two awards that year, and in both, the chairman of the judging panel in his speech began it by saying it's been a very poor year <laughs> I see that someone on this list did not even go to Oxbridge that is how 
that was the fucking subtext yeah, yeah. of the fucking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> at Catherine's College, Oxford. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I'll ask you an emergency question, not that we need it, but we'll, just to change the tone. Uh, would you rather have a tit that dispensed talcum powder or, yeah, like a breast, like a, yeah. a nipple? Yeah. It'd be a nipple with a breast behind it full of talcum powder. Uh, that any, as much as you wanted, an infinite amount of talcum powder. You could, yeah. you'd never have to buy talcum powder yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, even, which is probably true, even if you didn't have the. T- <laughs> or a finger that could travel through time, but just your just your finger. But you can you can send it anywhere in time and space, and you'd be able to see where it was, and you could you know do uh, a small amount of stuff with it. No contest. I mean, because I've got I've got a tin of talcum powder. A tin of talcum powder. <laughs> you got a tin or a tit? A tin. Yeah, I got a tin. But it's metal. It's so old. Yeah. It's got like an offer on it for like uh, a horse whip or something. <laughs> you know, like, it really is. I sometimes look at it because I think this is really old. This. One of the things I really like is finding stuff that's really past its sell by date. Yeah. You know, like finding a tin of kind of. Borlotti beans yeah. like, like, like from Safeways yeah. it doesn't exist anymore it gives me a tremendous sense of pleasure that I don't know why you know and then to eat them as well. I mean, you know, yeah, not just to you know, just, I mean, but I love so I love I love well out of date yeah. stuff for, for itself but no obviously a finger that's what, would you, what would you do what would you use your finger for in time uh, if you well, could I'd go like in time see, See stuff, you know. Yeah, but you, well, you'd, you'd be able to see it with just through the hole. You wouldn't be able to. It would just be your finger. Going, something though, isn't finger, it? Really? <laughs> it's something for your yeah, finger to be there. See, you know, you could do stuff. They make. Well, I mean, I don't time. see how. Does it make a hole and then you pull it out and then the the kind of gap remains well, no, you, for a bit? Well, or? no, I think it would. Um, that would be ridiculous. I think it would. <laughs> I think it would, it would close quite quickly. So you could go and you could look through and see. So you wouldn't just be poking around and not know where so it's you going. Could make You'd be able to see around and then just Around go, your finger. Okay, I'm going to poke Julius Caesar in the bum or something. Or go, oh, you watch it. Look behind you. You could yeah. shout through and there might, you might get a little bit of a sort of tinny. Watch out, Julius Caesar. <laughs> yeah, they're going to stab you. Yeah, that'd be that. fantastic. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. What if... <laughs> That's not. If, I mean, I think you're going to have to rethink that question. Why? It's <laughs> good. Well, there's some too much of a disparity between. That's what I like about it. Oh, really? Two people. Because the one chosen... you asked me in the dressing room, which yeah. was was a, a hand of ham, or what was the other? Oh, yeah, some some cream armpit. Yeah. Well, they're, they're pretty. So there's a there's yeah, a parity there. But, but sometimes like, it's interesting to see a tit, a tit, you know, which is feasible. A tit that dispenses talcum powder <laughs> is a possibility. It is. A, but a finger that you know is, is we're stepping well outside the laws of time and physics. Well, now because really? there are wormholes in space, so there could be you could find a wormhole and you get and that would you could get your finger through it. Okay, All right, try this, talking to Robin in. Try this one. <laughs> if you if your penis could travel in time. In this, through a similar wormhole, yeah. which who would you have sex with? In the past or the future, it could be, or just that is, it's just it like would... a glory hole. This yeah. is like a. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, 
is a, tem- a time travelling glory <laughs> it hole. is yeah. now I think there would have to be some system where you could communicate with the because I don't, I don't want you to I don't have the idea Alexis Sale putting his cock through a wormhole and you know Catherine of Aragon's there and you go hey get into that I think Catherine <laughs> I bet Catherine of Aragon would have to go, well, yes, I am willing to take the... If it was, that, I'm not saying she's a slag, Catherine of Aragon, because if anything, quite the opposite. She was very... Uh, she hardly even had sex with her husband. But um, uh, I'm just saying I don't want it to turn into, a, you know, into an unpleasant scenario, a sort of boat that rocked scenario. I want it to be... I want it to be a consensual... Right. How is, how is consent obtained? Well, we'd have to do some kind of... You'd whisper through, you go, hello, it's me, Alexis Sale. Maybe you could put through a, yeah. like a, 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 a rolled up copy of your book or something. So yeah. you could read that. Oh, yeah, I like, he's an interesting guy. I like, yeah. I'd like to have sex with his disembodied penis from the past or future. Yeah. That's, that's how I imagine this would work. And then you would put your penis through and you could have sex with it. Well, who would you... Who would you have sex with? In those circumstances, it's not exactly the same question as which historical figure would you have sex with, because there is this thing where it's just your disembodied penis. And the way you're looking at me is if this is uh, I'm waste, as if I'm wasting your time. <laughs> like as if you haven't been asked this before. You did what you did. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Get me to a, choose a savage sex with Chris. Uh, no, with uh, Keith Allen. Keith Allen, yeah. Last, yeah. Um, in yeah Edinburgh, that's so, so 2013. That, 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 we've moved uh, on now. <laughs> this is a very different question. Yeah. Is, there, is there anyone in history you would yeah, like to... Uh, anybody see? nice. Yeah, anyone nice. <laughs> Somebody nice would do is not Hitler. Not Hitler. You could teach him a lesson, couldn't you? You could teach Hitler a lesson. He might like it. (laughs) Good, well, we'll get back to. um... Do you find that, like, lots of middle aged men approach you quoting stuff from the young ones at you a lot? Revolutionary biscuits of it early, rise up out of your oxes, you have nothing to lose but your wafers. 
that kind of that kind of thing. Does that happen a lot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the bit they usually do to you? That bit? Or there it's one bits? of them. Yeah. 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 I was um, not. <laughs> I, well, that's not. It's not young. Young. I mean, I just. I was. Um, when I was doing a video thing for Telegraph, uh, and uh, we were up in Hull, and um, I was just going to have my photograph taken with the train crew, you know, just as a courtesy to Hull trains. And the uh, photographer said, Can you pull one of your funny faces? <laughs> <laughs> and no, not really. <laughs> uh, sorry, um, yeah, no, I mean, not that. Yeah, people, yeah. I mean, but often it's also. They're not necessarily, you know, a lot of them are, ki- you know, kids and yeah. stuff that they're, that they're, you know, they're uh, young people that they're, um, you know, their parents or grandparents have, uh, you know, turned them onto the young ones. So, yeah. it's, it, you know, there's not necessarily a, an age thing no. to it. And, you know, I mean, when I was doing, you know, when I did stand up um, uh, last year, you know, most, the majority of the audience, which was very gratifying, the majority of the audience were under... 35, you know, I, was, I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. I, don't know, I thought maybe I was on like the GCSE syllabus or something. You know, like, um, uh, so, no, that was very gratifying, really, because I mean, the thing that I, I wouldn't do it if I thought that I just appealed to, uh, you know, my own kind of demographic, really. You know, so, yeah. You know, but you're saying, I think, that with the, the young ones kind of broke you through into sort of mainstream in a way that if maybe that hadn't happened I mean because it was it was always a weird thing because you were basically did your own bit in the young ones mainly didn't you you yeah, mainly kind of yeah, cut to you and yeah. you did a, a routine basically yeah but I think it was I mean it's hard to know really but I think that the, yeah I'd done some telly beforehand I mean mainly this the late night thing called OTT which had been a bit of a controversial kind of uh, I think I felt that I needed to be in something with people, you know, with like-minded people yeah, that, yeah. that appeal to, the, you know, the, the, the youth audience, you know, to our audience. But also that got a kind of, crit- you know, that was highly regarded critically. Which Young Ones wasn't at first, but gradually it was, you know. But, uh, obviously the, the Young Ones was also, you know, was a highly, you know, was an extraordinarily intelligent piece of, uh, of writing, you know. So a wonderful, I mean, regardless whether I'm in it or not, it's a... You know, a, a, you know, a, a fantastic uh, piece of work. I think. I think, but also it goes back to there being nothing like that before. So as a, as a whatever I was, fourteen or fifteen year old school kid, seeing seeing this stuff coming in, and you would wait yeah. years for something to come on for you on TV. It would be like three years since not that o'clock news or whatever, four years, yeah. and there'd be no other program for young people, and then this would come on. Yeah. And so it was mind blowing for. I think it our, must have been. Yeah, I mean, I think for. I think yeah, if you were like yeah, if you were. If you were you, which I was, you were, you, which you did a great job. <laughs> I did, of. I mean, you did a <laughs> I imagine you were fantastic at that. But um, <laughs> I imagine, yeah, it must have been the most thrilling thing to see the young guns because it was good. You know, I think it still stands up. It's not, you know, it's uh, it was uh, just a, it's just so dense, so full of brilliant shit. I think, yeah, that, um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it must have been marvellous to, to see, and you know, and reflected the spirit of the age and stuff, you know. And also, you know, that thing, I mean, it was like the, you know, the BBC, that some of them, you know, some of them episodes went on for like 35 minutes, you know, and they'd, they'd be like, you know, the invasion of the Ukraine or something, they just pushed the news back because, you know, the young ones was running, you know, just ah, whatever, you can make it about days, you know. Like everything now has to be 29.7, yeah. you know, seconds, you know. 
it was it was good. It was a happy time. It was the, well, the world yeah. was a better place back yeah. in the nine eighties? Uh, apart from you know the Pete information exchange. Apart from that, it was much better. And you want to talk about OTT because that was an interesting one as well. Because I think the other comedy show that really probably first blew my mind was Tiz was, which was an OTT was the sort of yeah. adult version of that. But yeah. it was it was. Slightly misjudged, probably, in that the, the kind of beauty of Tiz was was that it was an adult show, but kid, but it was a kid yeah, show. Yeah, it, it was, well, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was adults just being horrible to kids, really. You know, in the guise of <laughs> yeah. a, a kids show, so you were in on the joke, but yeah, you know, the viewer, the the adult viewer was in on the joke, whereas with OTT, that there was no joke to be in on, no. as it were, and it was also it was very, it was very, you know. The, I remember, like, the show used to go out on the Saturday and they'd start sort of thinking about sketches for that week's show on the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very, uh, it was very laid back. And I will, I, you know, it, it was there. I mean, Chris Tarrant's taste and um, all the other people, Bob Carol G's and Spit the Dog, they, they were, um, well, Spit the Dog liked me, but Carol G's didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that they, you know, I, you know, they soon developed a rift. You know, I, I yeah. refused. I was supposed to be one of the players. I was supposed to be in the sketches, but it was so bad. I just said, I'm not fucking being in any of these sketches. Yeah. You know? So that was a, a point of tension, you know. And so I just come on, do my bit, and also it was very, it was live, and you know, I didn't think. I mean, but I, I personally was criticised that years. It the report of the. Commission that oversaw ITV. Yeah, you know the, the kind of sup- the supervisory body, uh, the ICC, wherever it was, specifically mentioned me right. and some of the stuff I'd said as being a kind of low point in television that year, right. a kind of regulatory nightmare. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, I think I did probably cause a lot. I mean, I caused uh, Chris a lot of grief just with some of the stuff I improvised. Right. And, uh, um, it wasn't. It didn't. Doesn't seem like a natural marriage between. No, I mean you know, I shouldn't have done it really. And that's one of the things where you don't. Know. Well, I was so desperate to be on the telly that I, I kind of, um, you know, kind of accepted it, but suspecting that it really wasn't the right thing for me to be in. And now, I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, younger comics now, you know, they judge things better, don't they? They say, no, I'll wait until. Yeah, well, sometimes. I mean, I think you know, there's an element where I think people should just have a crack and do stuff. I think you can get. You can be. You can be too choosy as well, and you can be too like, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. That's what about yeah. being... I don't think comedians should really have to be cool, really, because they're not, they're comedians. I, <laughs> I suppose I just felt that I depended on a kind of... Um, a critic, you know, a, a certain kind of um, status, you know, and, a, yeah. and not, so, you know, and, and if I did something that was too demeaning, then that would... Yeah. Uh, that no. would destroy... You know, because you know, yeah, when it wasn't quite... You know, it was, I wasn't there yet, you know. I wasn't quite a star. And so I worried terribly that I would do something that, um, you know, that would destroy uh, my status, and I'd never yeah. get there, you know? Well, yeah, it was... I mean, I think you're right. It wasn't... The, I mean, you, you, you left it, didn't you? So I think that was the right choice. Yeah. All I remember is, because I was 14 or 13, whatever the time, was naked girls sort of getting up on tables and jumping around. Yeah, which, it was a lot. Well, they did the... the um, so I was Again, distracted away hit. from your bits by yeah. that. <laughs> well, the big hit on the opening night was Malcolm Hardy in The Greatest Show. And like, oh, that's did right, the, yeah. did the balloon dance, you know. Um, and again, you, saw, you know, did naked, you know, you saw their cocks. <laughs> that was a bit my mother said was best. That's <laughs> the bit she liked the best. Malcolm Hardy's cock. Yeah. 
the familiar sight again. <laughs> he's another one to add to that list, wasn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, oh, so isn't it weird how alcoholics choose to live on houseboats? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of alcoholics. That, if you're an alcoholic, you think, I'm a heavy drinker. To get home, I'm going to cross a rickety bridge <laughs> over mud flats that will suck me under. Until I, you know, till I, you know, no matter how much I struggle, I will yeah. drown. You know, that's, that's the fucking gaff for me, isn't it? That's, that's where I'm going to live, and that's what Malcolm did when yeah. he drowned. He you did. Know? Well, you sort of wonder whether that was part of the plan, because I, I don't think he would be... I don't think he would have enjoyed being old, you know. Now, when I read the autopsy report, or oh, it was on Wikipedia, I think, but they said, the police report said he was found with a bottle of beer clutched in his hand, yeah. face down in the mud like that with a bottle, you know. The beer was more important. Yeah, he probably could have got free, but he wouldn't let go of the beer. Got to keep his, <laughs> keep his thumb in the top to make sure no somebody, water gets there. Somebody said as well, I don't know if it's apocryphal, <laughs> that he'd won really big on the one-armed bandit that night. So right. his, his pockets were full of change. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing uh, affectionately <laughs> at the death of a man. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, it's all part of the legend. It does become yeah, part of the legend. Yeah, he was yeah. a legendary guy. Um, and let, tell me about. I'm interested in your last gig in 1996. You were in Perth, yeah, and you decided to give up doing stand-up comedy in Perth, which is <laughs> and this is the Australian Perth, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm, is possibly understandable, but do you remember much about that day? No, I, I mean, I, I'd found that... I mean, I'd been very unhappy with the tour, really. That I, I toured in 95 in, in Britain, and that had sort of gone all right, really, but the tour of Australia in 96... It, it hadn't... I'd done a tour in maybe 90 or 92 in Australia, where it was that the only time that ever happened to me where all the gigs sold out right away and we put in extra nights like I did five nights at the state in Sydney and three nights at the concert hall in Melbourne and like five nights in Perth and stuff and it, well, I went, when I went back in 96 for whatever reason that wasn't the case really <laughs> that, that we did all the gigs that we were booked and they were all sold out but there was no extra, you know it was no for whatever reason there, there, there wasn't a buzz there so that was dispiriting and also I just reached the end of, of what I could do with that persona really and I didn't know how to to, to move on from it so I was just very, you know I was just unhappy you know I mean the shows were funny and stuff but I was just very un, unhappy with what I was doing really yeah. so you know uh, well I think Austin happens a lot I mean I guess it's the hotel rooms of being around the world I mean Hancock uh, yeah, 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 yeah. if we go back to another uh, hilarious comedy death but uh, <laughs> but you know I think you can understand it especially if you're you know if you're a thinker and it's depressive when you get stuck in yeah. those hotels in on the other side of the world as well. Yeah, if the gigs not, aren't going yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, it is quite. Impressive. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that. I mean, it was a bit of that, but I mean, it wasn't. Um, it was also. I think I felt. Yeah, because the stand-up I did last year, I just loved it so much because it had a kind of. Because I was just. Be, it was anecdotal, and I was being me, and and it was complex. You know, I, I, I felt happy with the material where there was always an element particularly towards the end of what I was doing before in the tight suit and all that, it was kind of grotesque. You know, there was a kind of... Um, I was doing bits sort of to get laughs, really, you know, yeah. a bit. I mean, not, I mean it's still making it... It's an awful thing for a comedian to do. To, to get... <laughs> to not well, still in, a, in a, <laughs> still in a way that, you know, still while doing, you know, 
material about Bertolt Brecht and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was really pandering to the audience, but I just felt that there wasn't a kind of... I was just itching to really do material that was much more complicated, really, and I, I knew I couldn't do that. I thought I couldn't do that via stand-up comedy. Right. And that's kind of interesting. I, mean, I think it's also interesting to have... Um, you know, you obviously didn't do stand-up for a long time and now you've come back to it, but I think, you know, in a sense, having that fallow time and it happens sort of, Stuart had it to an extent where he, did, he sort of gave up doing stand-up for two or three years yeah, and, then, yeah. and then came back to it and in a way to have not necessarily a failure but you, you, I think you're looking at the people you worked with and they've gone on to do you know different things and become yeah. sort of successful uh, in their own right and then it's kind of dispiriting but actually to become good as a artist as a comedic artist you sort of need the Failure or to regroup a little bit, perhaps. Uh, definitely, yeah. No, I mean, I don't. Um, well, you know, I was. I became an author really after a few years of sort of thrashing about. My first, um, you know, selection of short stories came out in about I think '99, and you know, I was I was entranced with you know being an author for a good twelve years, and so so slowly that I went back to stand up. But um, yeah, no. In, y- y- I mean, I don't know, some people can keep doing it and evolve, you know, but through doing book readings, I'd found a whole new way to do stand-up, and it was, um, you, you know, it was just something that I, um, I was just terribly happy with, you know, mm. when I went back to it, really. But, yeah, you, I don't know, I mean, you don't... I mean, it's, it, it doesn't do any, any harm to have that, yeah, that, that kind of... those dips in your career. And also, know. I think if you don't experience failure, though, and if everything... It sort of... You turn into... Uh, I think for, for, for me, what that's what's happened to Ben Elton. He hasn't experienced failure. He's been able to do everything you ever want to do. Yeah. And then you just don't move. You don't grow as an as an artist. And then you suddenly yeah. do something. People go, Oh no, that's that's just terrible. So you yeah, know, and I think, certainly experiencing it now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you're not delighted about. <laughs> but uh, but no, but I think that is you know you get to the point where everyone's saying yes yeah, to you, yes, yeah. yes, yes, and do this, do this, do this, and 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 actually you've got to be. Not back and go. Oh, so actually, I have to. I can't just put the first draft of this sitcom in and put that out. I have to go back and write a second draft. Wow. Uh, so you know, it, it's. I think the, to be knocked back probably helps you. Uh, I st- well, I mean, I, I think you're making a virtue of that, aren't you? you no, know, yeah, well, for your own uh, yeah, stuttering yeah. career. Yeah, yeah you're, <laughs> trying, you're trying to. You're trying to say, yeah, it's better to be like. I, this, I haven't had. Be, I haven't gone up again though. I've just kind of gone yeah, down. You, you, well, no, it's, it's bumping well, along the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah, this. yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It's. It, I wouldn't. I, I don't know. If, I mean, it's. A, I mean, it's an interesting analysis of what went went wrong with Ben, and that's, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean. I, I mean, for me, you know, a lot of the stuff I did was, you know, that tried to do was so hard or so stupid that, yeah, it was never going to succeed, really. Or you know. Um, uh, so I, I was always going to experience a lot of failure, you know. I mean, I say that, that I only ever had that one tour where yeah, every, in Australia where everything sold out. I never had that. Even when at the height of my height in in uh, in Britain, you know, there was always like we were talking backstage. You know, there was always a couple of gigs that yeah. didn't sell out. You know, where you'd have to go on fucking radio. To, you know, you'd have to go up, you know, go up to fucking Bournemouth a day early <laughs> to do local radio to try and sell the seats you know and I, which is something I hated so I never really had, I don't really think I had that experience of kind of unfettered um, success ever more or no. less really you know but then I think you were also quite hard on yourself and I think 
you know, it's it's both wanting to be, a, you know, do the best you can be as a comedian and be an amazing comedian, but also there is all part of every comedian, I think, that still wants to be loved and, and successful. And yeah. so there's there's an odd kind of dichotomy there that you're you're almost fighting internally between yeah, yourself. It feels yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. Well, I was, I did, I did make it. Very, I mean, it was very uncompromising my show. I would, you know, if I felt things were getting too cosy, I would sort of turn on the audience and so on and um, so it wasn't you know it wasn't easy <laughs> but you are also doing like you know you were major move in major movies and acting and yeah. Indiana Jones you in Gorky yeah. Park yeah yeah my first one yeah but I was never in one that like really you know I mean I, I mean apart from the Indiana Jones I was never really yeah, Indiana in one. Jones did alright that was okay that was okay <laughs> but I was only like a tiny part in that I never yeah. really had that as an actor I never really quite you know, got that great role, really. You know, no. to win. but there's a lot. I just feel with acting, there's so much luck in it. In a, in getting cast, but b, in the thing becoming successful. And then if the thing is successful, you sort of made, and people will employ yeah. you forever on the basis of of something that someone else wrote. Anyway, it's an odd. It's an odd job. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just it might have been nice if I, you know, if I'd had that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's I, still time. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, my, Carry yeah. On Columbus was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My episode of New Tricks that I did in 2012, that might win a kind of uh, uh, special BAFTA for something. So apparently, uh, you see certain... I mean, you, you did a recent interview where you talked uh, quite uh, candidly about the comedians you like and the comedians you don't like. Yeah. But luckily, I, I just nipped into what you call your comedy children. Yeah. Uh, that you, I had to do a bit of... Um, Bit of uh, apologetic emailing. That, you know? <laughs> yeah. I sometimes think, with like doing those, like that, that was at the Leicester Comedy Festival. Yeah. You sometimes think you forget these days that you know it's not just the people in the room no, who are watching. You know, it's everything goes everywhere. You know, so uh, yeah. feel free to slag anyone else off that you like. <laughs> uh, can if you are my comedy dad, though, can you send me some money on my birthday? <laughs> no, I'll send in you an club. educational present. <laughs> it's good for you that would be good that's the other thing about you sometimes forget when you're doing stuff like this or like that talk at the Leicester Comedy Festival is that people expect you, expect you to kind of listen to yourself <laughs> and to sort of believe what you say yeah which is never as particularly in terms of having opinions I've always just you know just sort of said stuff really with um Without, have I never, never snagged you off? You and I don't, off? No, I don't. You might have done. I don't think you have actually. I think we, we didn't really make enough of an impact no, to be snagged no. off. <laughs> and then by the time you yeah. heard of us, we were doing you know quite good stuff. So yeah, yeah. If you'd been more successful in yeah. your early days, I would, <laughs> I would have said something <laughs> shitty about you. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I quite like it. When, I mean, I don't mind. You know, I quite like people who've been horrible about me. Yeah. I rather like that. Um, you know, I, I sort of respect them for that. I think bit. to get any reaction is a good. Thing. I mean, you, you can understand if you, if if a respected comedy figure blames you for the entire downfall <laughs> of comedy. But I do. When I, I was being interviewed for a podcast yesterday, and because it's like this, they go on so long, you just sort of start saying something, and then you go. But on the other hand, I totally disagree with yeah, what I've just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And, and so sometimes they, it's <laughs> something you, you sort of believed, like in 1997, yeah. but you've, you you don't believe it anymore. But you've forgotten that you don't believe it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you just find yourself saying it. Yeah. Okay, I'll go for an emergency question. I don't know if I asked you this one before. If I did, we'll just gloss over it. Alexi said, oh, This is terrible that I have to ask this question. 
I don't have to, but I'm going to. You are one of my comedy heroes. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No. Well, you must have done. No. I'm not that, you know, I know I'm not that limber. (laughs) Is it possible? Is this this Michael Flatley doing it, isn't it? They're Michael Flatley, allegedly. Allegedly. You're going to have to email Michael Flatley. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I said you could suck. I think there is a picture of him somewhere. Uh, doing if you, if you I, I knew it was never possible. Really. I think it is po- it's possible. In fact, it is possible. I may have mentioned this before in this podcast. I apologise if I do. Uh, but this, I, I did a whole a book about penises and a show about penises. And in my research, I discovered it's possible for certain people to get a semi erection that they can stretch around right. and have anal sex with themselves. Really? <laughs> it's a beautiful act of love. Self love. Uh, there was there was a story about a man in a Russian yeah, prison, you know, like a like a, like a bin, and then he was obviously a bit crazy. Yeah, and he sat all day. Well, I mean, if you could, you, maybe you would. <laughs> David, do you think no? David doesn't seem to think so. Uh, you know, you, you'd be something past the time. If you something were in, do, if yeah. you were in a yeah. Russian prisoner of war camp yeah. or gulag or whatever, then you, yeah. you know, it would pass the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So true. it is possible to do. It is possible, but I, you know, when you're a, when you're a younger man doing, you know, you. You're a limber young man. I'm not going to ask you to try it now. Okay. I'll ask you another emergency question because I need one after that emergency question. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a ghost? I've ever seen a ghost? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't really believe in them, so I mean... No. Uh, Doesn't mean you, have to, you don't have to believe in it to see it. Uh, and still give it. Well, I don't know then, do I? Really? <laughs> I don't, I've never seen nothing that seemed like a ghost. Yeah. I've never had any kind of paranormal experiences whatsoever. No, nothing. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? No. No. <laughs> yeah, no it was, we were taking a chance with that. Uh, so, um, I'll tell you what I was going to ask. What's the... Um, what is... These have got a couple of um, uh, stand-up-based uh, questions. Yeah. What is your worst... Have you got a worst hotel... Travelling experience and touring in a hotel, bed and breakfast, or wherever you stayed whilst travelling. I um, not that well. I was just I was thinking about this the other day that I used to because I, tra- I had like a little. At one point, I had a little band called Studio Two who do do the support and do my music. And um, I used to stay in the hotel Swank de Posh, and I used to uh, put them where the all the dolies went. You know? <laughs> they used to stay in like the B and B where all the yeah all the claimants went. So. Right. So they had some pretty terrible experiences. Plus you were in your big <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I was eating consomme. Because <laughs> <laughs> we stayed in some pretty terrible... Me, me and Stu once stayed in a bed and breakfast where we had to share a room and we had twin beds with pink covers on yeah. and a little canopy going between the two. Uh, it was very sweet. I wish we'd taken a photo of that. And recently I stayed in a, in a travel lodge uh, when I went into a room and there was some, someone else's bogey on the shower curtain. <laughs> Oh yeah, I. Um, That's yeah, pretty no, nasty. We, when I, when I um, early days, I played um, Dublin with Alternative Cabaret, and Linda had, had um, uh, got an Irish. She paid fifty p to find out an Irish tourist board recommended hotel, right. which was this place called the Adelphi. And, and, and remember the bloke showing us up the stairs, and there was no bulb. There was a broken fish tank in the lobby and there, there was no bulb on the stairs and we just showed into this horrible room and I noticed there was writing kind of carved into the wardrobe and it said, 
<laughs> you know, the, you know, obviously the out, the chalk outline of a body on the floor. <laughs> um, it said, it said on the wardrobe. It said, if you think the room's bad, wait until you have the breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Once when I was in Swansea, I've said, I've said they definitely said this before. The toilet was in the same room as the as the bed. It was it was like you know there was obviously like there used to be a cupboard. Oh right, yeah. But it wasn't big enough to fit a toilet in, so, and there was no door in it. Yeah. So the toilet was just in a very slight alcove. Yeah. Just so you were here, and just I didn't stay in that. I, no. I got a lift home. Yeah. <laughs> Went back to London. Oh dear, happy days. Uh, and the thing I enjoyed you saying in your recent interview was uh, that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a wonderful actor, but if my cat had had the facilities he had at Eton, my cat could be in Sherlock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was pointed out he went to Harrow, but it's still <laughs> it's all the subsequently. Same. But yeah, no, it, I mean, it is, you know, it's a. Yeah, because I was reading, you know, some um, interview with Rafe Fiennes, you know, somebody was saying to him about. Uh, you know, all the posh actors. He's going, oh, you know, classes, the curse of Britain, you know, you, if you're a good actor, you're going to work. I mean, fuck off. I mean, it's not... You know, at Eton, they have their own studio theatre, they have a seamstress, they have a you know, permanent director. And so, they're, you know, they have bought... I mean, but, you know, I mean, they are all fine actors, Tom Hiddleston, you know, uh, Damien West, uh, Dominic West, Damien Lewis, you know. All those people, they are very, very good actors, but they are... They are taking somebody out. You know, they are. They would. They would have done something else. You know, years ago, they wouldn't yeah. have gone into acting. They would have gone into the city or whatever. They are taking the. They are taking the roles of of of, of working class. Well, and also actors. they can afford because I think it's harder, harder ever, ever harder to get into these both comedy and acting now because there's a yeah. lot of stuff to get through. So if you don't have, uh, you know, they've got an income that they can survive on, yeah, and just go, yeah. I'll go and live with my mum and dad while I'm doing yeah. it. But you know, yeah. if you can't, when I moved to London, we could hire a, you know, rent out a house and pay fifty quid a week and just about survive on that. Yeah, but now you'd have to live outside of London right. basically on, on what we were earning back then and, yeah, and, and so you don't get you don't you know if you're rich you can yeah and it's just ride you know sport. it's just terribly unfair I mean you know I mean if you've got all those advantages then you know you are going to use them and that but don't pretend it's not you know it's not an injustice because it is you know and it also I think it does you know I said it, it skews the narrative you have if the people from a very narrow socio-economic Band are telling our stories back to us. Then it, it kind of you know, there's a whole the, the the majority of experience and most people is is excluded from that really. You know, yeah. in terms of you know, uh, it's just it's just right. I mean, it's just it's just unjust. You know. Yeah. Well, and what I love about comedy and stand-up comedy if it works is that it doesn't matter what background you've come yeah, from yeah, you've got yeah. to be able to make people laugh and I, and I love that when you're in a, a room full of guys and you go oh you did this you did this you did this yeah. but it is increasingly becoming and you were at this university and you were right. at this university yeah. which I suppose is partly because more people go to university but it's also it seems a shame that, that there isn't that variety but what, what, how do we address that I don't know it's difficult because you know that you know I say that you know people I think people's parents now they you know they think it, you know it's an okay job to be a comedian now and you see you getting your Jack Whitehalls and your Miranda Arts and stuff like that and you're getting all these posh actors because it's okay it's what they want to do now and they they push aside you know people with less uh, resources I don't know it's not you know you can't have quotas or um 
I don't know what you can do about it really, apart from go on. You know, there's that, there's that, you know, there's that scene in. I always love that scene in The Sopranos where Carmela goes to see this old kind of old-fashioned Jewish um, psychiatrist, and she tells him right away what her husband does. Tony Soprano does, and he says, "Well, you must leave him." And she says, "Well, well, you know, makes excuses." And he says, "No." He gives her money back, and he says, "You know, just." you know stay with him if you want but don't pretend you weren't told you know don't pretend you didn't know and it's the same with all you can do is say this stuff is unfair you know the <laughs> the kind of class but you know the, the nature of how all the actors now are yeah are, are being to eat no harry you know and more than that i don't know what you do about it really yeah i can't suggest policy you know? <laughs> <laughs> well i think you know the conservatives are sort of shutting down drama in schools so i think they're, they're yeah, so, sort of talking about yeah, getting rid of the yeah. drama o level and so maybe i don't know maybe you know that's good to go into engineering or something something more sensible you know <laughs> yeah, that's, fine that's in a way. Point. yeah and most british drama is just really posh people in old houses so maybe it's good. yeah 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 maybe it's good yeah. that the posh just yeah. get to play themselves <laughs> oh dear well that's depressing uh so um we'll we'll wrap it up so you you've been in doctor who yeah which it, we, in we, revelation we, of the daleks 1987 which, i was the which doctor uh, uh, the best doctor, I think, uh, Colin Baker. Colin Baker, uh, really the definitive. You know, Peter Capaldi is a very, is a very, very good friend of mine, and I, I was telling him that you know, the, the, the Colin Baker is definitely the the um, the best doctor, really. Uh, for a long time, I was um, uh, I was the last person killed by a Dalek. <laughs> But he said, I think some of the same people are still playing the Daleks now <laughs> as where when I did it in 1987. Because they're all sort of ex-dancers. Right. For some reason, the BBC thought when they had these... Cause they, just, they just move them around with their feet, you know. <laughs> we need dancers to do this. They were young when they hired them in the... You know, when they, the Daleks went yeah. to be They were like 20-year-old boys from the chorus. <laughs> and now they're in their 70s or whatever, but they're still kind of... They're the same guys. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I did my I did an audio Doctor Who mentioned Colin Baker was the Doctor. I, oh, right, okay. but then I insulted him because I made I made a joke about in one of my newspaper columns about him. He take he takes things very very Does seriously. He? Yeah, I talked about. I, I mean, I made some joke about him being not the best Doctor Who. And you had to do what? Uh, it was very to, light. Did you have to apologise? I, 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 I tweeted him, said, "Look, I'm a massive. I know I, yeah. I work with you." And actually, we uh, we were a big fan, and we put him in uh, Time Gentleman, please. The thing I wrote the sitcom I wrote, and he came in and did a cut. And I was saying, "Look, we know we are." I was only joking. It's a big fan. No, that's another person I have to cut off and never really? speak to again. Yeah. <sighs> Cunt. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't bear grudges, can you, Lexi? I don't. No, no I don't. You I, can't. I can't. I don't think I do. <laughs> Well, look, it's been absolutely fantastic for you to do this and meet you again. Thank you for coming when you haven't been, when you're a little bit ill. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexi Sale! Alexi Sale! Unbelievable. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Let's Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Alexi Sale. What the fuck? Uh, the music you're listening to was recorded by Pest. They are a good band. Thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and Chris Evans. Not that one, or the one from the Avengers, or that bloke from your school. No, the one from Wales. It was produced by Ben Walker. It's a fuzz, go faster, stripe, and sky potato production. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Rich Channing's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. That was me doing it. It was good, wasn't it? I don't know yet, because I've recorded this before we did it. It might have been terrible. I probably wasn't, though. Uh, I, in fact, I think it's definitely the best one we've ever done. Uh, if you would uh, like to contribute, do go to gofasterstripe.com. Uh, where you can buy series passes of this and all the other video series we've done. You can just make a contribution. You can make a monthly contribution. You can download Richard Herring's Meaning of Life. Why not give that a go? That's uh, a longer version. It's, it's, uh, it's available from Go Faster Stripe. It's free online, uh, but then you can get an extra 45 minutes if you're willing to pay. Or come and see me on tour, richardherring.com. We're all going to die as my current tour. Depends when you're listening to this, though. You know, for a couple of years in the future... Uh, hello, what's it like? Oh, have you got hoverboards yet? I might be dead. Oh, my new tour is amazing. Uh, so, and I'm in at the Edinburgh Fringe doing uh, two shows. One of them's called Lord of the Dance Seti. One of them's called I Killed Rasputin. So uh, check those out if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe 2014. Thanks for listening. Bye. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.